When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Griffin Youngs, joined as always by Christian Boulay. Happy Halloween, everybody, even though it's going to technically be November 1st by the time you're listening to this. But happy late Halloween, nonetheless. Hope you've had more trick-or-treaters than either of us. I've got a giant bowl of candy sitting right in front of me just waiting to be claimed. Christian, how's your Halloween been? It's been good, man. It's cold here in Colorado, so we haven't seen a ton of trick-or-treaters, but I'm in the same boat as you are, man. I just have a bunch of candy sitting in a bowl waiting for some trick-or-treaters. Yep, it seems like this every year, less and less trick-or-treaters coming around. But fortunately for the Avalanche, our Halloween was not spooky whatsoever because we, for the first time this season, have not just one win, but two consecutive wins to talk about. The Avalanche beat the undefeated St. Louis Blues and follow it up with another solid win over the Minnesota Wild. And they finished the month of October at 500 after everything we've complained about after the numerous poor performances against Washington and the mess that was the game against Vegas, all the ref shows, we still finished the month at 500. And you talked about it coming into the season, looking at the tough schedule, even before we had all these injuries, we knew we were going to have to deal with. You said, if we could finish this month at 500, we would be happy. And that's exactly what they did. They definitely made it a lot harder on themselves than they had to. But the Avs did what they needed to do. They took care of business in these past two games, and we're in a great spot heading into a very easy month of November. Yeah, October is absolutely or was the hardest month of the month for of the year for us. The entire season, all playoff teams except for Chicago, who is definitely not going to be a playoff team this year, as we've seen. Good, and they deserve it. They deserve every loss they get. I will never feel bad for the Blackhawks, nor have I ever, but nor will I ever 
ever feel bad for another Blackhawks loss ever again. This organization deserves every horrible thing that is coming to them. I hope I hope they lose every single game, honestly. I really do. That would that would be poetic justice. Yeah. After what what they did to Kyle Beach over the last decade covering up that story and Honestly, it wouldn't be bad enough for them. I hope they never win again. Kane and Can we Taves, talk about the fact they only got fined $2 million? Yeah, two? they only got fined $2 million for covering up a sexual assault of their player at the hands of one of their coaches for over a decade. And I don't, I don't even have the words to describe how disgusting the entire situation is. Everyone involved with it lost their job as they should. Can we also talk about real quick before we jump into the abs and – uh, their two straight wins, how Joel Quenville was allowed to coach against the Boston Bruins the day everything came out. I, I'm horrified at that. I just, the NHL does this, like, it seems like a lot where they just, they just don't know how to get out of their own way. Like that was such an easy thing to do. And like, after you read that report, there's no way they didn't read that report before the Panthers game started. Like it's very obvious what was going on and they still let him coach and, uh, it, it it just had a whole whole like yuck factor to it that just it was bad because I really do like I like the Panthers team and it just kind of added a a little bit of uh, grossness to them with him behind the bench. Yeah, the entire situation was handled so horrifically during the the Blackhawks 2010 Stanley Cup run, and the fact that this was covered up for so long. And the fact that Brad Aldrich was allowed to resign from his position, got positive endorsements from the team and was allowed to work with the, the U S women's team and then eventually work at a college, which all of this was reported to the players association by Kyle beach. It was ignored. No one did anything about a sexual predator working on the United States Olympic team and a college team, which eventually led to the sexual assault of a minor. And so everyone involved, I, Donald Fair should lose his job as we're recording. No one involved should be allowed to keep their job after this. I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but the whole situation is, is horrible. I, th- honestly, I thought we talked about it a little last episode, but I, I must've just completely forgot to, to bring it up and that's on me. But this whole situation has been horrible and th- hockey culture as a whole has been long overdue for a reckoning and this story is not going away anytime soon and it shouldn't no it shouldn't and it's it's a really sad story and we we apologize for not covering it last episode but there were still details coming out of the whole thing i think after we recorded kyle beach identified himself as the john doe um joe 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 quinville i couldn't even remember his name resigned so we just want to make sure we cover on it. And yeah, Kyle Beach, Kyle Beach, we're sorry, man. Like that is just truly atrocious. What happens to a player who should be in a safe space when you're with your team? And it's just a really, really bad scenario. And oh, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of unthinkable that it happened. Like it's kind of crazy to think that that happened and no one did anything about it for nobody, 10 years. Nobody did anything about it. The fact that it happened a lot. I mean, Kyle Beach was, was literally my age when this happened to him. He was 21 years old, getting an opportunity to play as a black ace, even for the Blackhawks in the playoffs, going to, to see his video coach so that he can find a way to get into the lineup 
And the fact that his dedication to the game and the perceived reputation that he had of, oh, being a bit of a troublemaker that Brad Aldridge used as leverage over him. That breach of trust alone is, is horrifying and made my stomach turn. The fact that Kyle Beach reported it to everyone he should have, to management, to the Players Association, they all actively ignored it and allowed Brad Aldridge to resign without controversy, without the public knowing what's going on, without a police report being filed. He would go on to work with several other organizations and abuse multiple people because of the failure of the Blackhawks and the Players Association and the league. I just don't understand, like even from a, a Players Association perspective, that you get a report that one of your players was assaulted by one of his coaches, one of the people that he is supposed to trust, and you did nothing. It comes out you did nothing. You don't deserve your job at all. And the fact that Kevin Dayoff is still getting to keep his job in Winnipeg, I think, is gross. They came up with some excuse like, oh, he wasn't part of senior management. Like that makes a difference. It's the whole like the, the Kyle Beach interview that he did with Rick Westhead on TSN moved me to tears. That that was it was it was a powerful interview. It was, it was a powerful very, interview. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It was a very powerful interview. It was heartbreaking listening to him talk, and he did more apologizing than anyone else who was involved in this, and that really broke my heart. Yeah, it was it was really sad, man. I it's it's even worse that that guy's name's still on the Stanley Cup. I really hope they remove it. I think um, I think they're going to is what I saw right yeah. before we started recording, but I really hope they do because it's just it's a really sad situation and it's 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 another black eye for the NHL and yeah. it seems another like the and yeah, it seems like the NHL's been having a lot of black eyes recently. So we could probably talk about this for a long time and uh, we we won't spend the whole episode talking on this, but we just want to make sure we, we gave our two cents on the situation because it is a really, really bad situation right now in Chicago. And I think everyone can agree if the Blackhawks never win a game again this year, um, everyone would be okay with it. Yeah. I'm very happy to see them losing games six to two. And the fact that they're not even coming close to winning, I think is poetic justice. And the, the statements that came from Kane and Taze, like very wishy-washy, and be like, oh, well, you know, the Stan Bowman, he's a, he's a great guy and everything. Did a lot for us in our careers. No one said, I'm sorry, Kyle, that we failed you. The whole thing has just been a bunch of cowards really showing their true colors and just how I would say hockey culture is broken, but I don't think it was ever good to begin with. I think the whole thing started rotten. And hopefully if there's any good that can come out of this horrible situation is that we can finally start to see some meaningful changes to a culture that has just been rotten to the core for so long. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Yeah. So uh, this story is far from over. There's going to be more details that come out probably seemingly every day at very least every week. And uh, we'll talk about it more as it comes up, but I think that's all we have for it. Right now, at least, if you're ready to move on to the Avalanches game, it almost feels kind of bad to transition into something that feels kind of like, wow, this kind of is really meaningless. When you think about it, we're going to transition from that horrible thing to, well, the Avalanche won uh, two straight games. It it really I've I've never really really had to do that before. It it does feel kind of 
nasty to kind of do, but we're going to move on now to the, the avalanches, two consecutive wins over the St. Louis blues and Minnesota wild. And our last episode, we were pretty brutal to them for their performance against the golden Knights. And, and rightfully so, even with these two games, I don't take any of those words back, but they, they answered the bell, especially in the St. Louis game. The score might not reflect it. Final score four to three, the abs win and hand the blues their first ever loss of the season. And four or three might not reflect that the avalanche dominated this game. They dominated the blues, the shots on goal. What did I say? They were 42 to 18. Like that's the avalanche last year kind of performance against an undefeated team. It was very impressive. Yeah, it was awesome to see the abs took advantage of the blues, uh, missing Brandon sod, Ryan O'Reilly, which the blues did to us a couple weeks ago. They took advantage without McKinnon and without Landis Sog. And like you said, it, it, the score does not reflect how good the avalanche were in that game. There were very few times where the blues really had great chances to score. It just so happened that they scored on all the minimal chances that they had, but yeah, that game was awesome. We got to talk about the resurgence of JT Comfer uh, coming out after what you, I, I'd, I'd say was a bad year last year. Yeah. One unequivocally outside, like the last two weeks, he had a bad year. He had a bad year. Uh, JT Comfer scores two goals. Uh, I'm trying to remember the first one. The first one was who set him up on that? I'm trying to remember who set him up on that goal. I can, you know, because I'm doing the same thing. I'm blanking on it. Yeah, I'm blanking on it. But the second goal was on the power play. The second goal was on a power play. It was a Ryan Murray shot. Oh, it was a deflection. That's right. That's the one. It was a deflection. And that was a huge goal because Darcy Kemper. They yeah. needed that because Darcy Kemper lets in a pretty weak goal to Pareko on a, on a shot he should have stopped. Darcy Kemper's worst goal against of the season. I'd say I'd say that's on. It was very close to the Grubauer goal in Game Six against Vegas. This, I mean, I, I texted you when that goal went in. Like I'm going outside. I'm going for a walk. I can't do this. This was the first goal of the game before JT Kemper scored, and the Avalanche looked very good leading up to this. They were shutting down the blues. The blues didn't have a single shot on goal up to this point. I believe they might've had one, but that's it. They looked great. Pareko takes a slap shot that he kind of scuffed and it just kind of slides along the ice and it just goes right underneath Kemper and slides into the net. So, and I had, I had no reaction. I got up, I got Daisy's leash and we just went outside because as I texted you, if we're doing this for two periods, I need some air because this is going to, I'm going to be driven insane, especially after the Vegas game. And I got back just in time, like two minutes before the JT comp for goal. And I tweeted this also, I was like, I needed that. I personally needed that goal to go in. Also Ryan Murray's first point as a member of the avalanche. And he's looked much better over the last two games, as we'll talk about in a little bit, but comp for, right place, right time ties this game with less than two minutes to go in the period. And the avalanche, they just had control of this game from there on out. Quite simply, they did. Yeah. That goal by JT Comfer, I feel like not only did it get you back into the game, but it, I think it gave the avalanche a bit more confidence because they had dominated that game up to that point. Like it was, it, it, it was the abs of last year. They were just, hanging out in the blue zone, ripping shots, and they weren't allowing many shots against. But that JT Comfort goal helps. You go into the period, into the first period, tied 1-1. You come back out in the second period, majority of the same. You dominate the game for 
a majority of the second period. You get a power play, and miraculously, we scored a power play goal. And it was which, Kompfer who would have, yeah. like, as we all predicted, Kompfer's the guy that breaks the power play futility streak. And, you know, maybe we should have seen it coming because he's been just one of the best players so far this season. But a beautiful one-timer shot he's just been so good this season and he's night and day. The player he was last year. I mean, he's at what six goals already. And he finished with nine, I believe last year. And I think th- he's, I think he's at four or five. I think that's what he's at right now. He's a, he's but, leading the team in goals, I believe. Yeah. He's leading the team, but yeah, it, it's been, it's I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think he's at four because he didn't score in the wild game. That's true. No five. He's at five. You're right. All right, I'm I'm we're both wrong. So it's we're fine. both wrong. Who cares? But yeah, that that power play goal was huge. I mean, it was a perfect passing play. Berkey gets a point, Kale McCarr gets a point, and the Avs take the lead 2-1 and it was it was just a really good power play and finally we see a power play goal and I know I had been saying that JT Confer needed to get moved off the top power play unit. Uh boy oh boy did he make me eat crow on that because he was awesome on the power play, and he's been awesome on the power play these past two games. So, Avs take a 2-1 lead, um, and then, uh, Griffin, can, can you guess who, who scores the next goal for the Avs? You know, as, it's, it's funny you bring that up, because this game was in St. Louis. Is there a particular Avalanche player that Blues fans and the Blues team would really hate to see score on them? Because I, I know it, but it's, it's just escaping me. Was it, was it, not- was it Nas? Was it Nazem it was, Kadri who scored this it, goal? It was Nazem Kadri after he had. That after, would make Blues fans really mad. That would be. It probably did. Happened. It was really bad, and they, first off, we we gotta go back to the fact that Justin Folk finally got his revenge. Fought Kadri in the first period. That whole situation should be taken care of now. Everything's good, but yeah, Nazem Kadri um, also having a little bit of a resurgence here because when we talk about. Uh, last night's game, Saturday's game against the Wild, uh, he scored again. So Nazem Kadri goals in back-to-back games. Uh, he's having a bounce-back year. And this shot, I, I just re-watched it. Beautiful. Typical Nazem Kadri goal. It was a fantastic play. Logan O'Connor, uh, before that, made a great defensive play as he to does. set up, as he does. We'll talk about Logan O'Connor being on the second line and how awesome he's been. Um, sets up the play for Kadri and Kadri rips one short side on Jordan Bennington and abs go up three, one. And, uh, I'm sure all of St. Louis was just sick to their stomach seeing Nazem Kadri celebrate that goal. Yeah. Good. I mean, the, the, that, the Nazem Kadri thing should have been settled when we played the blues the first time. Cause he fought in the first game and apparently Justin Falk needs to get some other kind of a vengeance on him. First of all, like, Kadri was not looking for a fight. He all of a sudden was getting up from a hit and all of a sudden Falk has his gloves down waiting to fight him. So like, I hope that thing is done because it's kind of ridiculous at this point. It's not like he got away with it. Like, come on. He got an eight game playoff suspension. He missed the rest of the playoffs. I think he got punished for the bad hit he made and had to fight in the first game. But I'm glad, I'm glad Justin Falk got that out of his system and got a two minute instigator penalty. I mean, I, I hope that was worth it. You friggin' nerd. It was so dumb. But yeah, Kadri getting that goal in the second period, just justice feels like the wrong word because he, he did still lay that hit, but it was, it was just very funny to see. And it was also very funny to see how incensed it made Jordan Bennington 
that he gave up some goals. He, he, you'd think Jordan Billington would be used to giving up goals at this point because he's just that's just kind of what he does. But he got really mad at Logan O'Connor being shoved into his net, not even into Bennington, it like near him into the net. And O'Connor's going after his guy who was shoving him. I forget who, who was shoving him, but he was going after him. And then Bennington just decides to go at him. And then the Blues see Bennington go at O'Connor and all of them rush to O'Connor while Bennington evaporates to the back of the scrum like he usually does. And O'Connor's has taken on five blues in a scrum and did pretty well for himself. And then Jordan Bennington throws one of the most embarrassing hissy fits I think I've ever seen. And apart for the course, I mean, granted, it's probably the biggest one since his last hissy fit against the Sharks a couple of years ago where he like tried to get you're forgetting about you're forgetting about game one when he tried to fight Grubauer at the end. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's just a lot of Bennington hissy fits. I, I must have forgot about this one because Jordan Bennington was just so forgettable in that series. So it really doesn't matter. But this time after he goes after O'Connor and six, all the blues on him, he, he shoots a puck down at Darcy Kemper, who's not involved in any of this, but what are you doing? And then he swings his stick at Nazem Kadri's face. And granted, he clearly wasn't trying to hit him, but what are you, what, what are you doing? Like who does that? What is wrong with you? This guy is so like such a dork. What is what is your actual problem? He drives me crazy, and I I feel about him. I feel the way about Jordan Bennington. I think St. Louis feels about Nazem Kadri. I utterly loathe the guy. I hate his guts, and nothing is more fun to me than to troll Jordan Bennington, and then make blues fans mad because i'm trolling jordan bennington uh i made a highlight video of all the goals he allowed in game in the playoff series one of my favorite videos i've ever made um and yeah pissing off blues fans is really fun it's also because they i found out it's it's really easy and they're very hypersensitive and i'm sure a lot of other fan bases would say that about abs fans and that's fine it's all in good fun but yeah trolling the blues is so much fun and the fact that Bennington, like I know Mosier and McNabb are a little bit hometown bias, which I know makes a lot of the national people feel like butthurt about it. But I love the fact that they care about the team as much as we do. It's a um, podcast. Like what yeah. people are expecting. Yeah. Like I, I love it. I love Mosier and McNabb. They're two of the best. And the fact that Bennington only got a 10 minute misconduct and then somehow Nazem Kadri gets a 10 minute misconduct out of it too. Granted, we don't know what he said to Bennington. Um, but yeah, the fact that he swings a stick at a player's head and doesn't get an additional penalty or anything is just ludicrous to me. I makes no sense, but yeah, Jordan Bennington will continue to be probably my least favorite player in the NHL. Um, and I look forward to trolling him more in the future when we shell him again. Just the thing about Bennington is he started that entire scrum and then evaporated to the back. And then when it started to die down, just throws a puck at Darcy Kemper, who was not involved. And then just, just flings his stick at Kadri. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, what, what, what prompted you to do that? Like, granted, some angles made it look a lot closer than it really was. But like, why are you, why are you swinging your stick at somebody's head? I mean, it was, it was like, McNabb and Moser were saying like, okay, you do that. And you're like trying to scare him or whatever. What if you lose control of your stick and you just whack him in the face with your stick? 
like what what happens then uh they probably get a fifteen hundred dollar fine for dangerous trip yeah <laughs> also i think my favorite thing is like bennington was the cause of this entire scrum and gets the the 10 minute misconduct that he didn't have to serve like that the the the, the, the abs broadcast i mean say what you will they brought up a good point uh, why is the goalie getting a misconduct and then like a random fourth liner on the bench has to serve it? That doesn't make it. So he didn't get a penalty. It's not like yeah. it, you're just putting Jake neighbors in the box or whoever it was for 10 minutes, which doesn't matter. You should have to put your backup goalie in for 10 minutes. If your goalie is dumb enough, like Jordan Bennington is to get a 10 minute misconduct, you should have to serve it. You should have to sit in the box. Yeah. Cause it's not like the, the backup goaltender is not dressed like they're in pads. They're sitting on the bench. Make them make them go in. I, sure. I completely agree with what McNabb said. It makes complete sense. And it's never going to happen because Bennington's probably the only goalie who will ever get a 10 minute misconduct. But uh, like it, it makes complete sense. And yeah, I, I've really despised the guy. And I think that contract that the Blues gave him, what they give him like six years, six million. Yes. Yeah, Isn't that what they gave him? That is going to come back and bite them in the ass so hard because he is not a good goaltender. Good, like there, there was the the that stretch last season where the Blues were just really bad. It was Bennington's fault. The last meltdown I was mentioning that he had against the Sharks, it was because what he let in like six goals in two periods, and he he threw a hissy fit and tried to fight the goalie. You know, my favorite thing about Jordan Bennington is that he acts so tough and like, oh, I'm I'm gonna fight you, and then but he only does that when the ref is in the way. If the ref just backed off and was like, okay, go get him. You know where he would go? The locker room. He would sprint as fast as he can away from anybody trying to fight him. Because he only did that to, I forget who the Sharks goalie was last Dubnik. year. Yeah, Dubnik. Oh, right. It was Dubnik. I forgot. Eh, 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 Dubnik, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Dubnik. He pushed him and he's like backpedaling away as fast as he can while also still like barking at it. It's so embarrassing. And Blues fans that I talked to, I did uh, I did a, a YouTube episode with Blues fan reacts after the game like I did last time. And he agrees with us. He's like, yeah, Jordan Bennington is just such a, a loser sometimes. And he, what I said on there is like, this guy is a psycho. Like he's a genuine nut job. No one else does this. Like people want to call out Kadri or even guys like Wilson and Reeves. At least they follow through. Like, if you challenge them to a fight, they're going to fight you. Jordan Bennington, like, just who, no one swings their stick at another player. It'd be, it'd be another thing if he was even trying to hit him because at least that's, like, following through on an action. This was just, like, such an empty gesture. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that Blues fan reacts is probably the only Blues fan I, I'll get along with on Twitter. He seems to be the most level-headed um, Blues fan I know. Um, yeah, I... I don't really have much else to say about Bennington because he's just such a loser and I really hope he sucks for the rest of his career. But yeah, I mean, the Avs took a three, one lead and Bennington lost his mind. Um, and I think it kind of benefited the Avs in the long run because they ended up winning the game. So I'll take that W on my way out, Jordan Bennington, you loser. Yeah. And just the weirdest part was Kadri got a 10 minute misconduct. To, he didn't do anything. Actually, I do have to say one thing before we move on. I thought it was really weak of Jared Bednar to not defend Kadri after the game. I, I thought his comments like, well, you can't keep stirring up the, the, what do you call it? The scrum or whatever like that. I, that's a situation where you've got to have your players back there. That is, it's kind of weak to leave him out to dry like that. I, I didn't like that at all. 
I I'm kind of indifferent on it. Um, I do kind of agree that like for that specific moment, yes, Kadri did nothing wrong, but this has been a problem he's had not only in Colorado, but his whole career. He always seems to be involved in it. So I kind of see what Bednar was kind of mentioning, but for this specific moment, I, I agree with you. I think he should have stood up for him, but I'm kind of indifferent towards it. Yeah, I mean, just Kadri has such a target on his back from other teams. I mean, we saw against the Blues, he has a giant bullseye painted on his back. Like, hey, come fight me. I hurt your guy last year. And Department of Player Safety is watching him like a hawk. But like when Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves do questionable stuff, like their their coaches aren't like, yeah, well, you can't do that. They stand up, they go in front of the cameras and they stand up for their guy. And I thought it was just kind of weak of Bednar to, to leave Kadri out to dry when Kadri didn't do anything wrong. He, okay. Maybe he talks shit, but like the NHL, I'm sure, I'm sure whatever he said, there's been something much worse said probably even in that game. I think they gave Kadri the 10 cause he's Kadri. And I would have liked to see Bednar have his back a little bit there, but that's, that's pretty much all I had on it. Yeah. Uh, that's, I see where you're coming at, but I, I can see why Bednar said it that way. So be the devil's advocate a little bit. Just make the show a little bit more interesting. I'll, 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 I'll back Bednar a little bit. <laughs> so we need that sometimes. We, we agree yeah. on too many things. We I need- know. It can be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we move on to the third period. And the Blues made this one a little closer. Braden Shen with the, the goal a little early on. This, this was just some bad defense. And do we want, let's play our favorite game. Who blew the assignment on this goal? I'll give you a few seconds. Who do you think it was? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question first. Did we trade a draft pick for him? Yes, we did. Was it one of the worst trades of Joe Sackick's career? You can say that. Yes. Was it, is it Curtis, Curtis McDermott? Final answer. You are correct. Curtis McDermott yes. blew the assignment on Braden Shen. And funny enough, you can directly credit two of Braden Shen's goals to Curtis McDermott this season. He again, completely lost on this play, just kind of standing in no man's land. Braden Shen is all alone. I mean, Kemper, the first goal against was bad. This one, there is nothing he can do. And we'll talk about the third one when we get to it. But this was on Curtis McDermott. But the Avalanche looking better recently. Kale McCarr gets it back 38 seconds later. So it doesn't matter. Wicked shot by Kale McCarr, too. Just a fantastic play by McKinnon at first to uh, stay with the puck in the corner. And he finds Kale McCarr streaking in. And McCarr with a wicked shot. With that goal, he... Gets to 100 points in his career, which is crazy to think about because it feels like yeah, it feels like he's only been in the league for like a year. But this is year three or year. This really like this is his second full season, arguably his first because the first season they didn't even finish because COVID broke it up. Yes, this is his. So this is his first. This yeah, we were saying this before the season. So this is technically his third season but this will be his first 82-game season. Hopefully, it'll be his first 82-game season. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? I hope you are, because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's really just that simple. And if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, don't worry because DraftKings is not going to leave you empty handed because 
everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. So, but yeah, 100 points. He's he's looking like the Kale McCarr we expected. The plus, plus minus numbers are coming back down to earth. He's making better defensive plays. He's being better on the offensive end. I mean, I'm trying to think. He's been a factor in like three of the past seven goals for the Avalanche. Yeah, that I they've mean, scored. We've been talk. We talked the past couple of weeks that McCarr just hasn't been himself and looks like he started a little slow. Not at all. The last couple of games, he looks back to his old self. Recently, he has been just outstanding over the last couple of games. This goal was chief among them the the beautiful shot from the point on the amazing setup from mckinnon which would hold up as the the game winning goal this is what we needed like we needed the top guys to start coming through and over the last two games we'll talk about the minnesota game in a second but the top guys have started to come through yeah they've been awesome uh mckinnon's been Ever since he's come back, he's just a point machine. The goals are going to start coming for McKinnon. Um, I think he's kind of heard people on Twitter uh, talk about it because he's been shooting the puck a lot more these past couple games. Um, McKinnon's been awesome. Miko, who we talked about, who we haven't talked about, was injured and missed this game against the Blues and the Wild. Uh, still day-to-day, but we'll fingers crossed get him back. But Mack and Landeskog have been awesome these past two games. Um yeah, it, it was just awesome to see the top guys step up. What do you think Bednar is going to do? do? Do you think he keeps McCarr and Byram together when Devon Taves comes back? Because Bowen Byram has been fantastic with Kale McCarr. I, I, I don't know how you break that pair up because they have been the two best defensemen for the Avalanche so far. I think when you look at you look at these two games, like, well, I don't know how you can break it up, but I would counter with, we have an entire last season of Devontae's and Kale McCarr where they were, in my opinion, at least very close to the best defensive pairing in the NHL. You got Taze getting Norris votes, McCarr just finishing behind Adam Fox. And while Byram has been great, I think he's definitely earned a spot in that top four. Now, I will say that maybe on certain cases, you keep Byram and McCarr together and you can push Taze down to play on that second pair, maybe with Gerard or Eric Johnson, just because you can split up your two Norris caliber defensemen. But when Taze comes back, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, when Taze comes back, maybe you don't put him on the top pair right away just because he's let him get his feet under him. Yeah, let him get his feet under him. But I think the end goal, which is game one of the playoffs. We're going to see Devontae's playing with Kale McCarr. So maybe it might start Byram and McCarr 
for when Taze comes back, which might be next game. I mean, I, I think so. I it, think he'll be back. Kind of should. I mean, he's if he does miss any more games, it's not going to be that many because we'll talk about the November schedule. It is easy and it is light. It is a very forgiving schedule. So even with the Rantanen being day to day and Burakovsky being day to day, which we'll get to, and Taze still being out along with Val and Francois, a lot of those guys are going to come back probably before too many games in, just because of how much time in between all these games there actually are, but just to circle back, I think Taze might start on that second pair just to maybe keep his minutes a little more managed and just see where he's at right away. Cause he'll, he'll need to get back up to game speed as good, as good as Taze is, he still needs to get back into actual playing shape. I'm sure he's in shape right now, but he's got to get the, the game speed back under him. So maybe I don't think I've given you an answer at all during this. this I, I don't think so. Because here, here's the point I'm trying to get at, man. This is turning into a really good problem for the Avalanche. Oh my! God. You have you have five defensemen who would play in a top four in almost any other team in the league. That are you top pairs? I mean, yeah. Eric, Eric Johnson's maybe the only guy you say no to, but he's been outstanding on any yeah. on a team with less defensive depth. He would be on the top pair with the way he's played right now. So you have that luxury of you don't have to throw Taze up there right away. So maybe I'm changing my own answer here while answering your question still, but the end of the season, Taze is going to be playing with Makar, but Byram has earned the opportunity to maybe alternate that top pair every little bit. He's averaging like 23 minutes these past couple games. He's been incredible this year. Like I know the point production isn't there, but his defensive play has been fantastic this year. And we knew Byron was going to be good. I just didn't expect him to be this good right away. And I don't think Bednar expected him to be this good right away. No, I don't, I don't think anyone expected this. I mean, I think we expected, yeah, he's going to be in the NHL this year. We'll see where that takes him. But one of my things coming into the season was, yeah, well, he's going to be kind of blocked by, you know, once Taves comes back, you know, that top four is just going to be so locked down. There's no argument to be made that he shouldn't be there. I mean, we were talking last episode if Gerard's going to be bumped down and Byram's just been better than him. It's just that simple. Yeah, I know Gerard's been hurt and he's definitely been dinged up. Uh, we'll get When we get to the wild game, I thought Sammy G played a pretty damn good game and he looked, he looked good. I think when he plays with Eric Johnson, it's just the comfort level there is fantastic. But this is a good problem to have. I know some Avs fans will panic about it a little bit because some players won't get the minutes they need, but I think Bednar is just going to ride the hot hand. Whatever pair is working that game and whatever pair maybe isn't working, that's going to be the pair that works for that game. So I think it's a really good problem to have this many good defensemen because you just never know who's going to have an off night and who's going to be on. Like who knows, maybe one day it'll be Ryan Murray, which was the case in the blues game. Ryan Murray was awesome in the blues game. Um, Like the defenseman for the abs, we knew it was going to be a strength. And it has been a strength so far this year, other than Curtis McDermott costing who's ever out there. Yeah, Curtis McDermott is not stepping in the lineup ever again. But And what we even saw from Jacob McDonald playing in this game on the on the wing, by the way, that fourth line was so good in this game. It was so strict. What was it? Megna, Cout, and McDonald? No, Cout got moved up to the third line. Oh, I think right. it was, was, it it was Megna, Helm. Yeah, yeah Megna, Helm, Helm, and McDonald. Yeah, what like what a combination of players, and they they definitely played better in this game than they did against Minnesota. But it was still very surprising 
to see them play so well. But McDonald, I mean, as much of a all-in kind of defenseman he is, he's either great or terrible. He's better than Curtis McDermott, who's just terrible all the time. So McDermott's never stepping foot in the lineup again because he has just sunk this team on way too many occasions to ever get back in the lineup. But to finish out on this Blues game real quick so we can move on to Minnesota, Tarasenko beat Kemper with a it was a it was a nice shot for, to to beat him on the glove side just with how well we'd played and how few shots we'd given up I would have liked to have seen a save there but good shot I'm not going to fault him too much on that one he ends the game with 15 saves on 18 shots which is just not that good but not not Darcy's best game but yeah. It is a little scary to think if Tarasenko can get back to at least some of his form from three years ago, the Blues are going to be a really good team. And I think he, I think he had, and this is a Tarasenko that is, still has an active trade request, and he's playing. It seems to up his trade value, but this is the best he's looked in a long three time. years. Yeah, I mean, granted, he was injured a lot during that span, but he looks back to his old self. And anyone who's willing to to make that trade is going to be getting one hell of a player, but the shots on goal in this game, the avalanche hold on four to three couple scares towards the end, but they do hold on and get the job done. Final shots in this game. Like we said earlier, 42 to 18 knocking off the undefeated St. Louis blues with their first loss of the season, just a real solid performance all around the big story coming out of this McCarr 100 points in 108 games. One of the fastest, ever to do it for a defenseman sixth fastest all time. As I'm looking at it now, McKinnon was still great. No Rantanen, like you mentioned earlier, this looked like the avalanche bouncing back to their old selves after a poor showing against Vegas. And that momentum carried over into the next game against the Minnesota wild, because this was the avalanche team that I had been waiting for all season long up to this point, both the Blues game and the Minnesota game, to see them string two games together like this, I feel pretty good going into November. I feel great. Uh, my biggest story coming out of the Wild game, um, Darcy Kemper bounced back and played arguably his best game that he's played as a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Absolutely his best game, 100%. And, and finally, the scoreboard was able to reflect that. Yeah, he, he allowed one goal. I can't remember what his save percentage was, how many shots he faced, but it was by far his best game. He was making a couple crazy saves. It was just a really good game from Darcy Kemper, and we know he has that in him. Like, that was the player we were expecting when we traded a first-round pick in Connor Timmons for. That's the goalie we were expecting. He ended up facing 30 shots, which is kind of crazy. I didn't I don't remember him facing that many, but – Ended up facing 30 shots, only allowed one goal, and the one goal he gave up, you can argue the penalty that Byram got called for was a little ticky-tack. Like, yeah. I, I didn't think it was a slash. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a power play goal. It was a nice setup from Minnesota, yeah. and we got the goal back right away, so it didn't matter yeah. anyway. Yeah, so Darcy Kemper was awesome in this game. Um, Gabriel Landeskog, I, I didn't know this until I got home, four-point night, a factor in all four goals and was just awesome. That first goal he had um, was probably one of the prettiest passing plays I've seen in a long time with McKinnon going to Burakovsky and then Burakovsky dishing it right across to Landeskog and he has a wide open net and the abs take an early one, nothing lead. Like I, it was one of the prettiest goals the abs have scored this year. 
Yeah, it was a it was a classic avalanche goal. When you think of the avalanche, whether you're like us and a diehard or just someone from around the league looking at this team, that's the kind of play that you think of one touch passing and Burakovsky. I thought he was going to shoot this puck, but he it looked like for once he got out of his own head and made the right decision. He stopped gripping his stick, saw Landeskog wide open, put a beautiful tape to tape pass on his stick for the wide open goal. And Landeskog, like you were saying, was pretty outstanding in this game. And the top line, even without Miko Ranton for the second straight game, still came through, which was outstanding. They came through, and then sadly, Burakovsky gets hurt at the end of the second period. So you get JT Confer bumping up to the first line, and they still didn't skip a beat. Like the first line was awesome in that game. The Wild stood no chance in that game with the way the Avs were playing. And our good friend Raj tweeted out, I loved his tweet. He goes, this is like, he said he covers a lot of hockey, but when he sees the Avalanche team playing like they played on Saturday, it makes hockey so much more fun to watch because the, the Avs looked like the Avs of last year. This whole game, it was a full 60-minute effort. They beat the shit out of the Blues, or the Wild, they beat the shit out of the Blues too. Um, and it was just a great game. Yeah, I mean, there were... There are points in this game where the Avalanche weren't perfect. I will say that. I mean, the second period felt like the Wild were starting to take control of the game at a certain point, and it kind of culminated with that goal late in the second period that tied this game up from Ryan Hartman. But the thing about the Avs recently is that they bounced back, and this goal from Eric Johnson, so wonderfully set up by Nathan McKinnon, just decking what who was a Jonas Brodeen down in the corner frees up the puck and gets it back to Eric Johnson at the point and he gets his first goal of the season which was great to see after everything that he's been through over the last year he like we've talked about many times he has been outstanding so far this season and to finally see him get rewarded with that first goal is great it put all the momentum back in our favor before the end of the second period and it doesn't happen without McKinnon. And when you have your leaders stepping up like this, not just with skill, but with that kind of physicality, and we'll talk about even more physicality from McKinnon once we get to the third period, and even more talk about officiating because it's just something that always has to come up at a certain point in the NHL. But when McKinnon leads the charge like that, it it trickles down to the rest of the lineup. So to see an, a play like that where it's just pure skill, and the kind of play that really the other top end players in the league can't make where he can just bowl over somebody. It really seemed like it set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, it was, it was a really great play. And we got to kind of go back a little bit to Eric Johnson, before he scores that goal blocks like three shots on the previous penalty kill. He injures his ankle. Like Eric Johnson was a warrior last night. And I don't think a player deserved a goal more than Eric Johnson. And it was his first goal. I can't remember what they said, like 15 months. Like it had been a long time since Eric Johnson had scored. And you could see just how excited he was and how excited his teammates were for him. Um, but like you said, that play doesn't happen without McKinnon just being Nathan McKinnon. Like the only player I could argue who could make that same play is maybe Alexander Ovechkin. But McDavid's not hitting anyone. Dreisaitl's not hitting anyone. Like... McKinnon's the only one who can lay that hit 
and set up a – it was a beautiful pass, too. Like, it was right on Eric Johnson's tape, and the Avs take a 2-1 lead. Like, it was just a beautiful, beautiful play. Yeah, it's, the, it's like I said, the kind of thing that trickles down to the rest of the lineup, and it's what we have needed to see from this team for – a couple of games at this point, just that amount of buy-in and that amount of effort. And it was great to see. And like I said, it set the tone for the third period, but the third period started kind of strange because of the hit that was laid on Bo Byram. If you want to break it down. Yeah, it was, it was a dirty hit. I mean, Byram's his uh, faces to the boards, the Minnesota player, Cross checks him into the boards. Luckily, Byram's not hurt. Uh, McKinnon takes exception to it, and McKinnon drops the gloves and fights, which it was awesome to see, but it's also scary to see your superstar player fighting. Uh, Don't do that, please. Yeah. Like, my heart – like, in the moment, when you're in the arena, you're like, hell yeah, and then you go, oh, shit, that's McKinnon fighting. Um, Just get down on the ice. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Luckily, he didn't get hurt, but, yeah, man, like – Luckily, the NHL got it half right, in my opinion. They did assess that Minnesota player. I can't remember his name. That's the thing about McKinnon fighting him. That's a literal no name. That's not exactly yeah. what I'd want. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but he got a four, uh, five-minute boarding penalty, kicked out of the game. But that's the play they're trying to take out of the league. And the fact that that player, the wild player, doesn't even get a suspension to me, just continues to show how inconsistent the NHL player safety is. Cause I think the only player to be suspended this year is Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember the last suspension that's gone out. I mean, I think Sam Bennett got a game. Uh, Dylan Larkin got a game early on for, for punch and Matthew Joseph, but that's pretty much all I can think of. And how do you get a five minute major and you don't even get like a fine from the league? Or anything that no. just that doesn't make any sense. And you've got your your one of your stars of the league, Nathan McKinnon, dropping the gloves with this no name guy to stand up for his his rookie. First of all, I don't ever want to hear the abs are soft ever again. Never. The people who say that do not watch this team. Look at the guys who are involved in the scrums most of the time. You have McKinnon fighting. I don't know this guy's name. I I have to find his name now because it's actually <laughs> annoying me that this guy fought Nathan McKinnon. It was, I can't put it, Duhame. Yeah, Brandon, I can't. I, Brandon Duhame, 24-year-old. This is his, that was his eighth NHL game. He had 17 yeah. penalty minutes. It, it, I mean, you had McKinnon after the game saying that it was a dirty hit and the guy should be suspended. Like when you have one of your top players in the NHL, not one, not only fighting, two after the game saying he should be suspended and not even a fine happens. What is this league doing? Like we've talked about this every episode, but the NHL just continues to make just stupid decisions. It seems like. Yeah. And at, at very least in this one, we actually got the five minute major. If this was a week ago, it wouldn't even have been penalized. And thankfully Byram isn't hurt. I mean, but this is the second time we've had this happen to us. Stamkos shoving Gerard headfirst into the boards. And now this one with Byram, I just, I don't get what is a suspension at this point. Because it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But thankfully we do actually get the five minute major out of it. And Nazem Kadri makes it three to one in this game. 
with the the power play goal. And I know you were a little upset that that was the only goal they got out of the five on three that was eventually coming later in that power play. But look what happens when you shoot the puck. This is what we were talking about with this power play. You, ju- you just have to shoot it sometimes with comfort. You have a nice look, shoot it with Kadri. You have a nice look on the cross crease pass. Just shoot it. And it was nice to see them finally taking advantage of some of this. Yeah, and I wouldn't even call it like it was just such a good game for the abs that really my only critique of the game was that power play. You have seven minutes of power play, uh, including a five on three for almost two full minutes and you only score once. Um, That's literally my only complaint about that game. But I agree with you. The power play did look so much better. They were moving the puck well. They kept it in the Minnesota zone for a majority of the time. And they did get one goal out of it. So I can't be super like, like super like have many things bad to say about it, but that was probably one of my very few critiques I had for the avalanche against the wild. Yeah. And even then, even though they didn't score after that cadre goal, I thought the process just looked so much better throughout it. And Minnesota just had a solid penalty kill after that. I thought it was just very strong all around. And yeah, you know, we had a couple giveaways, but it's, it's going to happen on a long power play when you're trying to, to, to set stuff up. And that goal made me feel a lot better going deeper into that third period because Minnesota played really well in the second period. And we got that nice goal from Johnson to, to give us the lead again, but I was not that comfortable with just the one goal lead. Minnesota still played pretty well, even after this goal by Kadri. And thankfully we were able to hold on and that's two straight wins against so far, two teams that have been heavyweights in the Western Conference, St. Louis undefeated up to that point. And Minnesota, while they haven't had the toughest schedule, had been taking advantage of it for the most part. And we shut down Kirill Kaprizov, who's still looking for his first goal this season after signing that massive contract. And all around, it feels like the Avalanche are at least somewhat back. This team that we've been searching for for the first few weeks of the season finally looking like what we expected them to be because this game just it felt like that old abs team again where wasn't perfect but we dominated we had our star players show up with a ton of energy and it all just worked out even if it wasn't perfect yeah i i couldn't agree with you more the abs finally looked like the abs we thought that they were going to be and now we go into a november schedule where we need to do what the wild did and feast on the easy schedule and kind of make up some ground in the division and i think if the team plays like they have in these past two games and you add in a healthy miko ranton potentially a healthy valerie nachushkin and devon taves and oh don't forget your backup goaltender pavel francos uh, things are looking up for the abs right now. Yeah, 100%. And you you talked about coming into this season, if we come out of October 500, we're going to be pretty happy. And especially after everything that transpired in October between COVID protocol and injuries and just all the upheaval that we had. Yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with 500. And we look at the the upcoming schedule. It's going to be easier. But the other thing is, like you just mentioned, we're going to get healthier. Taze is going to be back. Rantanen's going to be coming back. Burakovsky looks like he won't be out that long. Nichushkin probably won't be back for a little bit still, but Franco's 
seems like he's on the right track to be coming back relatively soon. And it helps that through the first two weeks of the month, we only have four games and it's two straight games against Columbus. We don't even play Columbus until Wednesday. We have a nice little three-day break, then a two-day break before we hit the road to play Columbus again. And then we just randomly have a four-day break before we play Vancouver and San Jose. And then after that, we have a nice little three-day break before we play Vancouver. And and after that, it's one day on, one day off before back-to-back at the very end of the month. So we're just going to keep getting healthier. And like I said, probably every episode up to this point, no reason we should lose more than two of those games. And even then I look at all those games, like you, you should win all of them. I'm being very generous by spotting you too. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's going to be a very peaceful month and I am not going to be shocked one bit if the abs are in first place in the central division by the end of November. Oh, not at all. I mean, they're all, even just with these two wins, they're already catching up a bit because through eight games now they're 500. The blues are six and one. They beat Chicago last night, one to nothing, by the way, which I feel like should be noted, which is very bad against the Blackhawks of all teams who have not won a game yet. But yeah, we're four and four tied with Nashville, Minnesota's five and three. Winnipeg's had a nice little run here. They're now four, two and two. And the Blues are six and one. So we're only four points behind the Blues. We start rattling off some wins here against the Columbuses of the world. We're going to be just fine. And even after everything we said after Washington and Florida, and especially against Vegas last episode, we're still going to be just fine. And it's still only going to be November at that point. So it's like we said at the time, everything's going to be fine. Uh, Yeah, it's only two wins but there's no reason we shouldn't be winning this division at the end of November. Uh, I'm looking at everyone else's schedules too. I mean, the Blues play a couple tough games. The Jets, I'm still not sold on them. I mean, they lost to San Jose yesterday, and San Jose was missing like seven players because of COVID protocol. Yeah, that was like, a bad one. Yeah, Winnipeg doesn't scare me as much as I thought they would in the beginning of the year, and Connor Hellebuck has not been Connor Hellebuck. Um, the Blues could get – I think the Blues probably still stand as our toughest competition in the division now, which at the beginning of the year, I wasn't super high on the Blues, but they've kind of showed me that they're they're going to be a team in it probably till the end of the year. But the Avalanche still top to bottom are better than any team in this division. And yeah. I, I'd say it's a pretty significant gap between them two. Yeah. So um, there's actually a lot of teams that I'm just not as impressed by as I thought I would be. You mentioned Winnipeg, but even Minnesota, they're going to make the playoffs, but They've had a couple bad losses mixed in every here and there. They got killed by Seattle the the game before they played the Avs. And when the Avs play their best, there's really nothing Minnesota can do that can match us. We've seen it several times last year. And and Minnesota played pretty well in this one, but they they don't have the firepower to really compete with us when they are playing well. As long as we're at least somewhat playing well, Minnesota just can't match us. And the Blues, I think they started well, but... I think they're going to come back down a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I think they're going to be our toughest competition, but Nashville, they're 500, and I think they might stay that way the entire season. I think they're just a 500 team. Dallas, you you were saying you're not that impressed by them, and they just can't score. Their defense seems pretty good, but they just can't buy any goals. And then at the bottom, you've got Chicago and Arizona, the only two teams in the league without a win. Chicago has yeah. two points. Arizona has one, and it came against Buffalo. I will say about Arizona, uh, 
I don't remember this guy's name, but their backup goalie to Carter Hutton. Now the Hutton's hurt is actually really good. And he's, yeah, he's really well. He's been awesome these past two games for him. Yeah. Like almost beat Carolina today. They were close. They arguably should have won the game, but yeah, Arizona's going to struggle. I think they're going to be by far the worst team in the league, but Chicago doesn't look much better. Um, yeah, the bottom of the division, the Avs should feast on the bottom of the division. Touching back on Dallas, I still think Dallas is a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're going to make but it. But they're they're going to make it, but their offense, dude, it's just – I just don't know if it's good, and I don't know if I trust Hugh Dobin and Braden Holtby. I, I know Holtby used to play for your Capitals, but he's not the Braden Holtby that we – that he was like five years ago. Um, so – I don't know. I mean, this division, I think it's kind of shaping up the way we thought it would at the beginning of the year. Granted, the Avs kind of gave everyone a little bit of a head start because they started so slow, but the Avs are going to be just fine at the end of this month. I I wouldn't be surprised if they have a couple point lead heading into December. Yeah. I mean, next month might actually end up feeling pretty weird for us because we look at all of these games and outside of that little East road trip, even then those were three really tough games. It kind of felt like it did all the last year where we just play the same teams over and over again. And against the good teams, all the games are important. Like we played St. Louis twice and Vegas and Minnesota at the end of the month. And even the three East teams were all really good. And once we transition to November, it's going to be, Oh, we're playing Columbus tonight. Oh, we're going, we're going to play Canada again. That's weird. And Seattle for the first time, Ottawa and the Ducks, like it might feel pretty weird for a little bit. They're like, oh, this is just not bad at all. And I'm welcoming that because this first month has been probably the most stressful regular season games I've had in a long time. Like all those games felt like big games this month. And I am very happy to welcome a little bit lighter schedule. Yeah, and we better embrace it while it lasts because I'm looking at December now. Uh, the only time we have more than two days off is Christmas, and then it goes right onto the road to Vegas. So once December rolls around, it is going to be back-to-back, off day, game, off, game, off, game, off, game, off, game, off, yada, 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 and then a back-to-back before we're off for three days only because it's a league mandated Christmas break. I don't get the, I don't get the schedule structure here where we just have four days off before we play Vancouver after Columbus. And then we have three days off before we play Vancouver again. And then next month, it looks like it did at the end of last year where we're playing literally every night. I don't understand how any of this works, but I'm not a schedule maker. I don't know how that works. I'm not a schedule maker either, but it would make more sense to have the schedule be loaded in the front half of the year because we're going to have that we're going to have the olympic break. So what wh- what are they doing when they're making these schedules? I, I don't know, man. I mean, we're going to embrace it while it is. We're going to have a lot of off days. May not be good for the podcast, but we're going to have a lot of off days. It'll be good for the abs to rest up and get healthy. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the schedule makers were thinking either. Now I'm scrolling to the the later months. It actually kind of looks like they they're loading up before the olympic break in December and January. And while the months after aren't that much better there are a couple three and two days mixed in in march and april after the olympics so maybe that'll end up being better but for december and really january too because in january it's the same thing we only have the 12th and the 13th off in the month of january the entire month everything else is 
game break, game break, game break. So we're going to have two straight months in December and January of them playing pretty much every single night. So November, take a deep breath while you can, because it's not going to last. Definitely not going to last, but as a fan, I'm welcoming it because I, I need a break. I need a break from the stress. So really, really first world problem there to be stressing out about a hockey team, but so I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the break. It's such a first world problem. Like it's good team in first world problem that other teams like at the bottom, Arizona, Chicago, they don't, this is just, this is the thing just for us. Oh, we're stressed out because the games were too important early on. We have to save our energy for the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah, we're we might be a little spoiled in just a little bit, maybe just a little bit, but just we, a little bit. We finished the month at 500, could have been better, could have been worse. First two game winning streak of the season, and we're we looking to keep that up against Columbus on Wednesday. We will talk about Columbus directly after the game, which for me is going to be a little late, but I'm a trooper, I will power through and I will survive. And I think it's going to be a pretty fun game. Columbus is just not that bad this year. They're not great, but I don't think they're going to be a bad team. They're four and four, three and one, right? Did they win that game against New Jersey? They, they did. They won in a shootout. So they should be five, three and one. If I refresh my page real quick and they are, they're five, they're five and three right now. They have 10 points fourth in the metropolitan. We'll be seeing them. Two times in a row, we should win both of those games, regardless of if they're close or not. I don't care. Just win them. And this is really when we should start to see this avalanche team start to really make some strides. And it's I'm going to be real. This is a whole month of trap games. So I hope they show up for all of them and don't start to to take them lightly just because it's not Vegas. Yeah, they I have faith in them. I think they realize they dug themselves a little bit of a hole and they need to. uh they need to get back some points. And I think the Wednesday against Columbus, it could be, it could be a beat down because the abs are going to be well-rested. The blue jackets will also be well-rested. Um, they have two days off after their game today before they face us, but abs are going to be playing with a ton of confidence. You hopefully welcome back Devon Taves, maybe Miko Ranston, maybe Berkey's back in the lineup, but yeah, it's going to be, I think it could be a bloodbath on Wednesday. I think the abs could win big. Yeah, and we're going to be following that up with another game against Columbus. Then we just don't see them ever again. I mean, it's going to, it's probably going to feel weird after last season where you have two games against the same team. Then you see them later in like two weeks. So we're going to have this little back to back against Columbus, and then we'll just never think about them ever again. But hopefully that'll set the tone for what should be a very, very good month for this team and where we should be finishing at the, the top of the division at the very end of it. But Christian, I think I'm just about out of stuff to talk about. If you want to maybe add something else before we wrap. Uh, I got nothing else to add. Um, it, it's, it just feels good to have two straight wins. Yeah. It feels good. The, just the mood between us right now, just the overall mood just feels lighter. The, the Vegas episode last time it was, it was very heavy. Like we were talking about, like there was just like weights on our brains weighing us down. This time it just two straight wins. Everything just feels better. We're going into the month of November with an easy schedule. We're 500 just feels like we're starting fresh and things will, will take care of themselves. So that's about all I've got. Christian think we're good. 
Yeah, uh, make sure you all are using DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. Yeah, that's always a great idea. Use DraftKings or Daily Fantasy if you're like me and in Maryland, they don't have Sportsbook there yet. I think that's it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, whether it's your first episode or you've been listening from day one. We appreciate you all the same. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs and Christian Belay joining me as always. You can follow us on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and at Christian underscore Belay. You can follow the show at Teledabs It Is. But that's it for us on this episode. We will catch you all next time where we will have pretty much an instantaneous reaction to the game against Columbus. And we will catch you all then. Have a wonderful week and happy Halloween.